Another tough loss for the Orange. They fall in Chapel Hill against North Carolina. Had a solid UNC team on the ropes, on the road, but could not close it out. We'll break down the end-of-game sequence, what happened in overtime. Also, Joe Girard really struggled again. We'll get into his play as well. And we can't leave out Cole Swider. A career a night spoiled. We'll dive into all of that and more coming up next on the Locked on Syracuse podcast. You are locked on Syracuse. Your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What's up and welcome in. This is the Locked On Syracuse Podcast. I'm Tyler Aki. He's Tim Leonard. It is the first day of March, Tim. And we're not itchy and scratchy, really, about the fate of the orange. A weird feeling as we dive in to the month of March here. Not one that we're used to, but we will get into all of that and a little bit more in just a second. Today's episode of Locked on Syracuse is brought to you by Run Your Pool. March Madness is here, and Run Your Pool has a better way to create your bracket. RunYourPool.com, the premier sports pool hosting service. Thanks for making us your first listen every single day, free and available on all platforms. That includes YouTube, so be sure to subscribe to the show. If you're watching us on YouTube right now, like, comment. We love talking with all you guys on our YouTube channel as well. So many different ways that you can start this, this show <laughs> off. I mean, what a game first off. I mean, yeah, I was not I mean, expecting that. Let's start with this. Okay. Because even though the result was frustrating, that was a way better performance than both you and I could have expected. I know UNC covered and all that stuff when it was all said and done, but you got to tip your hat specifically to, to Cole Swider with how he played. It was really the Cole Swider show with a couple of, supplementary characters as well showing up at times throughout the game but he carried this team and tried to will it to victory in every which way that he could no it was an outstanding effort from Syracuse after the Duke game quick turnaround down two players I know John Bullock doesn't play really a lot anyway but you're down to seven scholarship players backs against the wall on the road place you've never won there was so many reasons they should have lost this game by 20 to 25 points. And instead they come out right out of the gate and get up big. And I also got to give them credit because at halftime, even you're looking at the stats, you're saying, okay, UNC's up five and Syracuse shot at 56% in the first half. Cole Swider had 21. Like this is not sustainable. There's no way. And then they right. got back up five in the second half at one point. So tremendous effort right out of the gate. We're not, I know we're going to, talk individually about Gerard and Swider. So I do want to say, in case I forget, shout out to Barama Sidibe as well. Yeah, I know Frank Anselm had a rough game, but I think Barama, what he's done, we sort of had that conversation of, all right, how effective can Barama be against Baycott, against Williams, when it's on short amount of rest? This was fifth game in 10 days for him. He played probably the most minutes he's played all season. I don't have it in front of me, but that was a great performance from him too. Yeah, don't say 5-10 and 10 to Jim Beheim because apparently one of the days of the week uh, has evaporated from the <laughs> yeah, ether because that. he thinks it's 5-9. and nine. But anyway, yeah, no, Barama was fantastic in this game. He had a couple of really key plays as well. We'll get into the good because I think there was some good to pull from this game. What it means, probably not a whole heck of a lot, especially at this stage of the season, but certainly still good to see that this team wanted to compete in a game like this. But let's just start with the, the end-of-game sequence here because Joe Girard spikes a pass off of buddy Bayheim's foot i saw so somebody tweeted at us that was a garrett schrader screen pass um, <laughs> which i got a kick out of but um no th this was a game where you had it you had it you had the late lead you're up 71 to 70 i believe was the score at this point 
And you could have, I won't say put it away because I think, and Jim Behan touched on it too. Joe Girard spiking that ball off of Buddy's foot didn't lose them the game per se no. because you go and get a bucket there. If Caleb Love comes down and splashes a three, you're still talking about a tie game. And with four seconds left, you're probably and Buddy where he caught that ball too. You're probably trying to get some sort of two. But again, it, was it a frustrating play? Yes, but was it the reason Syracuse lost the game? I I, I wouldn't say that was. I agree. No, with it you. was frustrating because we've seen that exact type of play, I right. guess, more so from the sideline. But Wake Forest was an example. I think there was another one that's not coming to my mind right now where it's been like, and man, before we, we proceed to, there were four seconds left on the shot clock and 15 yeah. left on the game clock. UNC, unless Syracuse got an offensive rebound, was going to get another possession. And also, what are you going to get with four seconds on the shot clock anyway there? And I catching the ball there. Yeah, I think it was a frustrating play, but it wasn't that costly of a play, honestly. No. And it's annoying that it happened again, but if you know they get it inbounded to Buddy Beheim, he might miss a shot, and then UNC gets down the court before the 2-3 zone sets up. That's something Jim Beheim talked about postgame. I agree with him because once they were able to set up their defense off the timeout, I felt pretty good that Syracuse was going to hold UNC again. And as much as maybe the conversation on Twitter and everything is late game execution struggles again, Caleb Love just hit a really tough shot that yeah. was a total no, no, yes shot. So if he misses that shot, everyone at UNC is complaining that he took the shot and everyone at Syracuse is raving about the late game execution. So I think it's a little overreactionary to just take that Caleb Love shot and sort of come to the conclusion that Syracuse didn't execute late in this game. Was the inbounds play bad? Yes, but it yes. really wasn't Optically it looked awful, play. but yeah, I'm with you. It wasn't the the reason why Syracuse lost the game. I think Jim hit that on the head 100%. I will say it did sort of lead to a a fall down the stretch. Like, oh, that like when you see that play happen, it usually leads to more bad things happening. And I know it was a tough shot, like you mentioned, for Caleb Love, but when you see that play happen and then Caleb Love come down and hit a tough three on the other end, it's like, really? Like, sometimes it's just not your night. When yeah, but then like Joe hits the shot. So, but right, if yeah, we're gonna play, it, yeah, if we're going to play the full execution, let's evaluate how they did. I think we have to take everything into consideration. We have to evaluate that they were down. They got that nice tip in from Barama. Then they got a stop on defense. And then also you got to consider that you know, a lot of teams maybe would have called timeout there, maybe not would have handled that last shot. And Joe Girard's shot was also probably kind of a no-no yes shot as well. <laughs> so the fact that he had the ball in his hand was no, 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 yes. Yeah, right. So it's kind of tough to evaluate execution because they it was just two good shot makers making clutch shots at the end of the day. But give Syracuse credit, as much as we're going to talk about Girard struggling in this game, he hit that shot, and I don't know how many other guys in the ACC would have hit that shot in that situation. That was a pretty timely shot. Right. I look at, too, something that's going to go completely by the wayside in this game, but the final two and a half, about two and a half minutes, Syracuse was playing really good defense. They were contesting some shots. They were making life difficult. I mean, even the closeout on that that shot against Love was solid. And if, if you – if Syracuse pulls that game out in, in regulation, I'm coming on here today and I'm pointing to the defense and saying that lockdown defense, along with Cole Swider having an out-of-body experience, right. 
is why this team won that game because they were really, really good down the stretch. And you just get a couple of timely buckets, like the little putback by, by Sadibe and, and the Gerard jumper at the end. Like it just felt like everything was going to go Syracuse. They held UNC scoreless for nearly the final two and a half minutes until that Caleb Love three. And with the way the defense had played for the first 40 or uh, 37 minutes of that game, like that was a really impressive defensive stretch for me and a critical one that this team needed. Yeah, I do think what you just said is interesting how if they had gotten the win, then it would have been a different conversation maybe. And I know you're not specifically saying that, but the way that you address the defense there, that's how fans should remember the game, more so than just overreacting to Caleb Love hitting off shot and then, oh, Syracuse blew it down the stretch again because they didn't blow this game. They've blown games this year. They have really had some costly inbounds plays. This one, to me, was they played their butts off just to be in the game. Yeah. Somehow, despite it being a terrible matchup, they almost won the game, and Caleb Love hit a shot that literally saved UNC's season. You got to give him credit for that. It was not. Yeah. It was a shot that if he misses it, everyone's mad at him for taking it, and UNC is off the bubble for the moment and looking like one of the worst seasons they've had in a while, and Hubert Davis is answering some tough questions today. I'm just realizing this now, too. What a tough betting night. I mean, you're talking about <laughs> the over-under getting swung, the the spread getting swung. It looks like Syracuse yeah. might have an outright win, and then they end up not covering a eight-and-a-half-point spread, which is what I think it closed out on betonline.net. Mm -hmm. I mean, that, that's a tough, tough night. if you're, Or a very a very lucky night as well, if you're a wager right. for, for a game like this. I, I do want to ask you this because I, I laid this out on our Twitter account. Where would you rank tonight's game on the fr frustration meter in terms of, I'm going to give you a crop of games here, more or less frustrating than Colgate. I think that's an easy one. Yeah, no, uh, way more it's frustrating less... was Colgate. This was right. honestly not that frustrating to me because it was a game I didn't expect them to be in and it didn't really matter that much one way or the other if they won the game. So I wasn't that invested in the outcome as yeah. much as like early season when you're so you would put it pretty that. low on the frustration level. Yeah. Yeah, I probably would. I mean, look, I wanted them to win the game. It's it's not ideal, but I felt like it was more a sense of pride, honestly, that they came right. back from the way they played against Duke and hung tough. I don't think UNC's that good. I think UNC's going to get blown out by Duke. But still, to go on the road, a place you've never won, and Caleb Love hits a three or else you would have won the game, I, I think there should be some pride in that. What if you take big picture stuff out of it? So forget tourney implications where the game is just solely focused on the game in and of itself and some of the execution or the, the manner in which you lost. I, I still think I'm probably lower than most because I didn't feel like they blew it execution wise. The inbounds play was bad, but there's been other games where you've looked back at plays and been more upset with individual moments in the game and how they handled it. I guess the question that now I have is when we look back on this season, will we, will we say that Syracuse choked down the stretch of these games? Because you had a good tweet breaking down some of these close losses so far. I don't necessarily know if this team's just not good under pressure or if it's that the bench is not deep and they're getting tired late in games. You could make that argument. I think that definitely holds true for the overtime in this game. Once it went to overtime, you kind of knew it was over. And I know right. that's easy to you say. You can't, now, but yeah. I mean, I was I'm saying that all that. game. I thought the game was over at halftime when UNC got back up and the stats, like I said, were reflective of Syracuse somehow being in the game uh, or somehow 
UNC was leading despite Syracuse getting things to go their way. So it's an interesting conversation now. Is this team just not good late in games? I'd have to really reflect more on the bigger picture there, but I think this individual game did not frustrate me as much as some of the others, just because it didn't feel like they kicked this one away. Well, here, let's do that in just a second. We'll also get to, to Joe Girard's performance, and we can't get out of here without talking about Cole Swider. But first, we are, what, about two weeks away now from March Madness, and that means you need to start thinking about where you're going to be running your brackets this year because today is the first day of March. And are you going for the usual, or are you looking to do the best? We've done our homework here, and we're running brackets with runyourpool.com. Along with standard brackets, Run Your Pool offers game types like Survivor or Pick X, both really fun in their own way, and they have options to edit scoring as well and they offer more intel to make your picks all the stuff you're not going to find at espn or cbs so the guy who always gets away because he gets the champion and gets a thousand points for getting the champion as opposed to the guy who maybe gets like 90 percent of their first round right well guess what that guy's not going to win the guy who only picks his champion right the guy who does well in the first round gets a lot more credit too if you want to edit the the scoring that way too they offer full white glove customer support custom branding and one of the easiest three minute setups you'll ever find clearly we believe run your pool because like i said we're running our brackets there ourselves there's no truer test than that and if you want to play against us for a shot at a cash prize join us at runyourpool.com locked on and while you're there create your own pool for your friends and family enter pure madness all one word, again, pure madness at checkout for $10 off your custom pool. All the rules and details will be available there. That's runyourpool.com slash locked on for your chance to win a cash prize. We look forward to seeing and beating you there. Okay, so I'm looking back at some of these games that Syracuse has lost. Pretty much every win they have, exception of Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech was a squeaker, but pretty much every win they have this season was to a degree, a no doubter. I mean, they played kind of close with NC State. Yeah, I would I, I would group NC State in there. Okay, we, yeah. we can do that. But BC, I mean, I know it was a nine point game, but Syracuse never really felt like they were going to lose that game. I'm talking about the the closer one that they played on the road right. at Chestnut Hill. But you look at some of these other ones like Virginia loss, Miami loss, Wake loss, Florida State at home loss, uh, Pitt. I mean, you can say what you want about that, but that was a collapse in that that game against Pitt. Um, and then Notre Dame loss. I mean, all these close games are really yeah, you're right. You're talking about a lot of losses there. Right. And UNT tonight. I, I think you're on to something there. When you look at the numbers, it is a little bit worse than I thought. Maybe even going in. I mean, they have kicked away some games. Where did this rank for you on the frustration scale? Because I don't know if I'm in the minority here. I just didn't feel like this was one that you look back and you second guess the execution down the stretch as much as other games. This was one that it felt like you had in the clutches of victory. It's not nearly as frustrating as Miami. Um, I, I think wake is probably the most of the ACC games. Wake is probably the most frustrating. Yeah. It may be Pitt too. Um, just because Pitt is so bad. But I would probably put it. It's like in a different tier. That was rock yeah. bottom of the season. Yeah, I feel like, like that was. Yeah. But in terms of like games where you felt like you had it, I, I would probably put this one at maybe three of the ACC games, at least, where you, you just should have had it. Yeah, I mean, probably most upset I've been this has been Pitt, Georgetown, Colgate, those three losses. But you're right. Wake is right up there because Wake was third of three in a row, dropped them to one and three in the league. That was still when bubble talks were somewhat of a thing. And I just remember I was at that game. And and Wake was playing well. 
Yeah, right. everyone was crushed on the Syracuse team at the end of that game, as they have been in a lot of these. And look, I think this game's just in a different tier for me. I'm not saying UNC some great team, but when you combine that UNC is pretty good with the fact that it was on the road, it was five and ten days, it was down Mayor Torrance, Jesse Edwards isn't out there, terrible m- matchup. I mean, just everything into it to even be in the game, I think, was an accomplishment, which I know... Someone might say you're Syracuse. You don't count moral victories. I hear you on that, but at least for me, expectations going into the night to after the night, I'm not that crushed. They lost this game. Yeah. All right. Let's get into Joe Girard a little bit here because aside from the, the spiked pass at the end, by the way, were you surprised that Girard was inbounding the ball? Yeah, I guess it's Ben Jimmy sometimes. I mean, that's Jimmy. I feel like rack, right. Cause right. Yeah. Jimmy the guy has been bigger, the guy, but he's, not that good right doing that right and and even the pass i mean i believe it was jimmy who had the inbound pass against wake forest yeah it was yeah and it was like he's sitting there sort of like telegraphing it a little bit you can see where he's going with the ball i don't know it i still probably would have gone with jimmy um but again i i don't think again the inbound pass wasn't what lost syracuse the game in our our eyes anyway um but getting into to gerard here Nine points, one of five from three, four of 12 from the field, turns the ball over four times as well. Just look kind of out of it, too. I mean, it was it was just like, this is the Joe Girard roller coaster. Like, it'll loop-de-loop. It'll go backwards on Sundays. Like, that's the Joe Girard experience that we live with right now. We saw, what, like five really strong games when Syracuse was was winning basketball games, and we've seen some really lackluster performances when they're losing games. And and that kind of has been the tale of the season. You sort of set the challenge out for him. Like Joe Girard has got to be the X factor along with Frank Anselm. And those two were absolute nothings today. And you still almost beat UNC on the road. That's how good Cole Swider was. I mean, blockbuster might've been generous to Frank Anselm on the stock meter that I gave him yesterday. It's, it's getting worse and worse. It's really frustrating. Luckily, Sadibes played better. But on the note of Gerard, story on him first before we get into this. So our friend Jonathan Hoppy, who we always uh, made oh, fun boy. of in school for being Joe Nathan Hoppy, emphasis on the Joe for his sports betting. Uh, two things. One, right before the Duke game, I, the second I knew they were going to lose the Duke game is because he texted me with about five minutes till tip and said, I'm on the Heimer, period. That's when I knew they were going to lose to Duke. I think he put $100 on Sarah. Devastated, obviously. Hope he's listening to this right now. But tonight, it was the funniest moment because right before the end of the game sequence, right after Gerard had spiked it off of uh, Buddy's foot, which is such a proper way of putting it, spiked it off, because that's that's (laughs) what happened there. He just said, like, like JG3 sucks or something. And JG3 stinks. And you see, as soon as he got a new nickname, I just knew he was going to hit a big shot in the game. He hits maybe the biggest shot of the night. So he is still Joe Nathan Hoppy, still holds true. I'm sure some people out there listening have a friend like that. And look, Gerard was still bad overall in the game, but that's Gerard, right? He throws the terrible inbounds pass and then he has the irrational confidence to hit the shot too. Right. And like I tweeted it out, that's the beauty of the irrational confidence guy. And also the the absolute hair pulling part of it, too, is they're going to make a play like that. And then 30 seconds later, going to come down and, and hit a really big shot in a big right. game sort of atmosphere. So like that's the roller coaster that you live with. By the way, did you see the new nickname that one of our listeners anointed Joe Girard? No. What was it? JGD3. 
<laughs> I think good. I yeah. think Sienna Joe might be retired after after hearing that. That's one. pretty good. That was I mean, Jeez, but that's and listen, the, part of why we continue to to bring up the nickname isn't because we necessarily believe like Joe Girard's not a D three point guard. Joe no. Girard's not a Sienna point guard, and that's part of why we kid with it because we think it's hilarious. But like, there are moments that he has where. It, the haters are proven right and there are moments that he has where the haters are proven wrong like that's just yeah the Joe Girard experience and in his defense he's playing 45 minutes you get into that game where Torrance is not out there they're pressing him really hard RJ Davis is a tight defender that gets up on you but it was pretty bad tonight and not they had to resort Samir. to Jimmy crossing the timeline and taking yeah. it up yeah which is not yeah. good and that's his role if he was out there of course yeah not having Samir really hurt in this game, like really hurt in this game. And I know some people will push back and say, well, it doesn't matter. Samir wouldn't have played over Joe Girard. Yeah, he would have. In this game, he would have. We have seen Jim Beheim a number of times this year go to Samir Torrance over Joe Girard because he's just seen enough. And I think this would have been one of those games where he would have just seen enough. Maybe not a number of times, but there have been some moments. I'll, I especially agree as a, especially I would say in the back half of ACC back. Yeah. 60% of ACC play. And he did it some with Kadari, maybe more than people want to admit last year. He probably should have done it more. Uh, I would agree with that and what people generally feel about that. But yeah, I think it's disappointing because it's so up and down with him and that shot was huge, and I want to be in a position where I can just say, man, I love that guy. I love the swagger that he took that shot, but there's five other bad things that come with the Gerard experience, yeah. and that shot is just one good thing tonight. I mean, the conviction of that shot, like he was got the ball, head down, head of steam, yeah. get into a spot, fade away, splash. And that's the Glenn's ball stuff, I feel like, where yeah, he's just taking that, some of those. That that's the stuff that I mean, I think Syracuse fans were, have been expecting a little bit more of, of that. Yeah. And I gotta say, like, credit to him. That was a fearless move. Like, right. He he <laughs> got the ball and nobody else you could tell with his conviction moving down the floor. There were like seven seconds left when he gets this right. ball, by the way. There was no one else touching the ball on the team besides Joe Girard. The second he touched that ball, he made a decision of where he wanted to get on the floor and that no one else was going to see the ball on that possession. And he made it work. Yeah. But like we mentioned, there, there's five other bad things that, that go along with that. And credit to him, but also, I mean, he should be writing a thank you note to Joe Nathan Hoppy for even making it possible there at the end. <laughs> because it, I'm serious. It just, Hoppy has that power. It doesn't happen with He does. I mean, the amount of times... Uh, I mean, Kentucky we gambled. Derby. What was the Kentucky Derby where <laughs> the, they Medina had the ruling Spirit. afterwards? This oh, is. Oh no, no, no! Yeah, the <laughs> where they they disqualified the winner. Yeah. Yeah. He, oh my god! <laughs> to put it in context for anyone that doesn't know Hoppy, that's listening, after giving him torture all throughout college because he could never hit a bet and fading every bet he made, he finally hit the Kentucky Derby. He thought called us to gloat. Twenty nineteen Kentucky Derby. Yeah, and then we rubbed it in that it was the one that there was a violation after the fact, and he ended up losing. That's just his luck. So he did he it again tonight. Bets, he has that power. <laughs> yeah, he literally bets on the horse that cheated. I bet you he also probably bet on the horse that finished behind Medina Spirit, too, because like the horse that now right. has since uh, been known for cheating. 
Um, and a lot of there's like a I think a class action lawsuit out there for gamblers yeah, right. trying to get some money out of <laughs> out of that second uh, that second horse who I, I don't even remember who it was. But all right, we will get into Cole Swider because we cannot get out of here without talking about Cole Swider first. But hoops is in full steam for both pro and college from all the latest odds, totals, and player performance props to where the next fired head coach is going to land. BetOnline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs and remains the top spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. It's not just basketball. Either betonline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds, right to the Olympic coverage and information that they had. They're always keeping you ahead of the game in every sort of facet of sports. So head over to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online where the game starts. Cole Swider, man. I mean, 36 points, literally could not miss. 7 11 from three. I mean, it. Mark Titus would be pissed off at him at the performance that he had just because he's always the, the staunch believer that you should not shoot above 50% from three because it just means you're not taking enough threes. But, I mean, when you're doing it on 11 threes, and I'll say this, one thing that maybe you should, that people should be a little more frustrated with, with this loss, Cole Spider should have been touching the ball almost every possession. Like when you're having a special night like that, and I get there were moments where they went to a little bit of denial on him, but when you're having a special night like Cole Swider is, you got to find every single way in the book to try to get him a touch. And there were some it points where like, he wasn't touching the ball. Yeah. It felt like they had, they switched Leaky Black onto him for a moment. Obviously, Leaky started on Buddy, did a good job on him. Cole yep. was going to work on Caleb Love because he had that huge height advantage there. That was a mismatch. Credit to Syracuse because their offense is incredibly simple. We've talked about this a lot, but they are good at identifying mismatches as mismatches and scouting those and, and taking advantage of those. And it felt like that was something they targeted right away because Leaky Black is pretty much the only truly good perimeter defender on Carolina, so he can only guard one guy. And at one point, Leaky switched over to Cole, and then Buddy started to get his shots. And I think that's maybe the stretch where it felt like Cole wasn't getting the ball enough. But I don't know. I mean, they kept giving him those handoff plays with Jimmy, too. And Jimmy was another matchup against Baycott. They were kind of trying to take advantage of, it seemed like. And Cole Sw said after the game, too, how he had the smaller guy on him. I, I think he even picked at McAdoo a little bit, too. Said he had the senior night guy on him to start yeah, the right. game. And that kind of helped him build some momentum. But when he has smaller guys on, this is kind of what I thought he was going to do all season long because there's not going to be a lot of guys that play the three or the four that are six foot nine and, and can match Cole inch for inch from a height and, and a, a rise up and shoot perspective to contest that shot either. There's not a lot of guys that can do that. And he had that matchup and you saw, you see him go off for a career high 36 points in this game. I thought we'd see a few, I'm not saying see a few more of these 36 point performances, but see a few more games where he'd have 22 to 25 points just because right. he could pick on a guy because of the matchup. It feels like this is something that he's sort of done every single game, but the shots just fell today and the volume was there because the shots were falling. Yeah. I don't think it was anything crazy different in terms of looks. He did come out of the gates with a certain aggressiveness to his game. And that was probably the matchup against McAdoo a little bit, but this is how this game will be remembered. It'll be remembered from a Syracuse lens, at least as the Cole Swider game. And that's pretty cool for him because he's probably only going to play here one year. And he almost set the Dean Dome record. 37 po points by an opponent is the most ever scored in the Dean Dome. He had 36. That's pretty, 
like heady stuff to be up there yeah. on the road at, at the Dean Dome and, and play like that. It was an awesome game from start to finish. I was bummed he fouled out, just kind of yeah. probably yeah. instinctive play at the end there. And you could see it was killing him, but it's not a reason why we lost the game. We were going to lose anyway, and, and he played great and did all he could to keep Syracuse in the game. Yeah, he, he was the reason why this team had any sort of shot because Buddy wasn't having his night. I mean, Gerard obviously wasn't having his night. Jimmy wasn't having his night. We don't even need to get into Frank Anselm because that was a nothing. Once again, Barama was was fantastic off the bench and in the limited minutes that he got out there. I guess I shouldn't say limited. He played like 25 minutes in this game. Yeah. Um, Barama was, was really strong in, in the minutes that he gave Syracuse in this game, but you're not going to win a game when, when it's the Barama and, and Cole Swider show. Like, you're just not. It's it's you need your stars to show up. You need the buddies. You need the Joes. Those are the guys that have to play well for you. And Cole's a part of that group as well. But you yeah. need those three guys to play well for you. And you got one of them in this game, but you needed the other two. And if if just one of either Buddy or or Joe showed up with a really solid performance, probably looking at a Syracuse victory after this one. Yeah, it is interesting. He only had three rebounds. Now, I'm not picking on the guy because he played incredible, and his effort from start to finish was tremendous. Really, the entire team's effort was good tonight. There's no yeah. doubt about that. But the reasons are just odd because Buddy has a season-high seven. Even Sidibe, he plays 25 minutes. He has three rebounds. Anselm plays 18 minutes. He has three rebounds. Syracuse lost the rebounds by 14, but it's not the typical guys that were up at the top. And – I, we can briefly, I'll just say this briefly on Benny it's, to play seven minutes. He's got to come down with a rebound. I thought he struggled tonight yeah. and it was a bummer, but I think he's still got a little ways to go. And we kind of knew that. Yeah. On the note of Benny, I mean, the amount of times he was beat down the floor where he didn't get back on defense in a timely fashion and where he was getting beat over the top for a rebound, like, there were people pointing to it and being like, why isn't Benny out there? Why isn't Benny this, that? Cause Jimmy was struggling. And it's like, listen, like you gotta, you gotta play hard out there. And, and Jimmy he was, was not pretty good back. on the boards tonight too. I as thought, much as he struggled, he did some things that they needed, like getting the ball across, getting the rebounds that they needed, playing physical. I thought the thing with Jimmy that I, especially I noticed in the first five to seven minutes of the game, he played really physical with Baycott. Like yeah, really physical with Baycott. But after that, I don't know. I mean, it wasn't like he even got into – he didn't even pick up a foul in this game now that I'm looking at it. I don't know why the, the physicality sort of dropped off. Syracuse was – I mean, they were not going to let Armando Baycott beat them in, in the first half. That was their approach. And Baycott still finishes with a <laughs> what, what you put as the, the quietest 17 and 18 that you'll probably ever see. Yeah. Like, I, I looked <laughs> up. I was literally about to type out a tweet, and I was like – Hey, I'm I'm pretty impressed with how Syracuse has handled Bacon. I look at the the stats, and he's got like 13 and 15 at the time. I'm like, oh, okay, maybe not. Right, um, but, but yeah, you're right. Him, that, it, not, it's never that impressive, and it, that's where I struggle with. Maybe he shouldn't win ACC Player of the Year because his defense isn't that good. And even in a night like tonight, where you look at the stat sheet, you think he was a driving force. It felt like he had an off game. I mean, he got seven of his points in the free throw line, so that kind of sneaks up on you. Let's too. put it this way. Mark Williams had 12 rebounds and Armando Baycott had 18 and Mark Williams 12 on Saturday felt way more impactful than the 18 that Baycott had in this game. Yeah. 
Yeah, really what happened was Love just came through down the stretch. He finished yep. his four for 12 from three, but he hit three threes in the final two minutes plus OT that kind of decided the game. Yeah. I mean, that that's what those are the types of plays that you need out of out of your your point guards at, at down the stretch. And one team got more than the other in this game. And that pretty much wrapped up the outcome of it. So, all right, we'll be back tomorrow. We're going to get into some futuristic stuff. A lot of days off until Syracuse hits the hardwood again. So we're going to get into some of the comments made by Jim Beheim about the future of the team. What's going to happen with Jimmy and Cole and Buddy, how they're all not coming back. We'll dive into that. We'll also get into some recruiting stuff. Judah Mintz had his official visit to Syracuse over the weekend as well. We'll get you some updates on that and a little bit more too. So for Tim, I'm Tyler. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow.